Hi and welcome to episode 4 in the new series of Canny Conversations, powered by the Pathway Group. My name is Mark Wakeley, one of the team who bring you these podcasts that we hope inform and inspire you, giving you an insight into the world of the Pathway Group. If you're new to the podcast, let me tell you, there are already 42 episodes out there and you can listen to all the past episodes by searching for the Canny Conversations podcast on your preferred podcast platform or go to 1386audio.com forward slash have a listen. The main person behind all this is Safraz Ali. Saf set himself up as a social entrepreneur over 22 years ago. Being raised in Birmingham's Alum Rock, his early life and experience gave him an insight into the life and needs of an inner city community, which is at the core of his passion for improving the lives of people through education, training and apprenticeships. In this episode, Saf once again picks up on the culture and structure that make for a successful business that he began talking about in the last episode, Core Values. This time, he outlines 15 skills and traits that build high-performance individuals and high-performing teams. So whether you're listening to better understand how to improve yourself or whether you're a business leader looking for inspiration on how to build performance to underpin growth, there's plenty to take away from this episode. So let's hear more from Saf. Here today, we're going to be talking about 15 skills and attitudes. Sometimes we refer to, or I refer to them as skills and traits. Every organization has certain jargon. The sector itself, the industry has certain words that they use. This is specific to us in terms of 15 skills and attitudes, but these are general skills and traits which we we feel are uh, at the forefront of the attitudes and traits that we need as as individuals and what we look at in terms of uh, performance. And we're talking about creating high-performance teams, high-performance culture. Uh, we're talking about uh, individuals who, who can demonstrate knowledge, skills, and behaviors. And these are the sort of areas that we, we tend to look at. Um, you know, when we're recruiting individuals, when we're looking at doing appraisals, when we're looking at in how we're performing, and these are the areas that we, we tend to, to look at. And then and these are, I would say, very much generic, but we've adapted them to our own business and we've seen them as the skills which are necessary for personal growth, uh, necessary for our business growth, and, and necessary for us as an organization in, in terms of delivering on our outcomes. So let's talk about some of these 15 skills or the 15 skills and traits or attitudes One of the first ones is adaptability. The definition of adaptability may change uh, depending on which dictionary you're looking at and and who you're talking to. But what we're talking about is the ability to sort of maintain effectiveness in your business in an ever-changing environment. And, you know, we, we talk about change and particularly in the last few years, one of the things that we all have realized and, and heard many times is that the only thing that is constant is change. So, you know, we are in an ever-changing environment. The ability to positively change and adapt uh, in a fast emerging and moving situation and circumstances is something that I think is a key skill and something that we all need to demonstrate and be in a position where we understand that it's a core competence. Uh, it's a core area for for all of us. And from a perspective of understanding ourselves 
we need to understand you know, how adaptable are we and can we demonstrate our adaptability. As an industry, as a sector, further education sector, the skills sector, the, work, the, the welfare to work program sector, the employment support sector, we understand that it continuously changing, funding rules change, how organizations respond to that change, employers' situation in terms of how they expect, well, what they expect from us changes as well. And we're in that evolving landscape, we're in that evolving uh, situation where we need to change. So we need to often change our course, we often need to look at you know, what's going on in the macro environment and what's going on in terms of specific uh, areas that we need to look at, we need to be aware. We're always looking for ways to work and efficiently work and carry on in that sort of challenging environment where our thoughts and beliefs often are challenged. And I think that's quite important as well. So what we believe to be right might change. And how do we adapt and change in that environment? If we think about, uh, you know, sort of how we make our decisions, we think uh, in terms of data driving the business, if you go back to our three pillars, we talk about data and that sort of data helping us to make decisions as well. So a lot of it is about this adaptability mindset, being flexible, uh, being in a position where you can change course quickly, being able to react to the environment, being able to see the situation, being able to make better decisions, better informed decisions. And ultimately, it's about your outcomes and your sort of desired outcomes. You know, what is our desired outcome? Yeah, not forgetting our desired outcome. So. The next uh, skills uh, and traits and that I wish to sort of cover is data. And I've already sort of touched on data driving the business. One of our pillars is numbers. It's about understanding the numbers that are important in your business. And we've all heard about the fact that if you're not measuring it, if, not, if you're not measuring something, then how can you improve? So data and the ability to analyze data, analyze numbers, I think is important. And I think we all need to be able to understand our numbers. And gone are the days where you know numbers is not your thing. It's not a statement that we would readily accept people to say, well, it's not really my forte. It's not my thing. I don't think we all need to be data-driven as individuals. We need to be able to talk in a language which involves data, which involves numbers. And the quicker we can sort of do that, the better it is. When we're communicating with individuals, if we can put some data behind it, some robustness behind the point that we're making, then I think you're going to be in a position where you're communicating better. You're in a position where you're uh, communicating a little bit more clearly, and it just makes life easier in terms of moving to that sort of better informed decisions. So, but the process of collecting and organizing data, I think, is important. I think we all need to understand that. How do we get that data into a bit more information, how do we get into better uh, informed decisions, better business decisions. And I think a lot of that then is about extracting the right information and ensuring the fact that we're filtering through the noise, uh, some of it's white noise, and understanding what's important, getting to the surface, the, the right sort of level of data. And we, you know, we live in a world where you know, there is a lot of noise. We live in a world where there is a lot of data at times. Uh, you know, often, you know, there may not be the data, but sometimes we have too much information. And it's really trying to get into a position where we can screen through and communicate the right things and measure the right things and, and really be in a position where ultimately, how is that affecting the impact that you're making at the front line? How is that affecting the 
the impact and the outcomes that you're, you're making as, a, as an individual, as, as an organization. And, and I think that's quite key as well in terms of how do we demonstrate that. I would also say, you know, our ability to read and act and clean this data is what differentiates somebody who's a bit more successful and uses data more successfully than somebody who gets bogged down by that data. So this clean data is, is a phrase that I often use and we encourage for our leaders, managers, individuals to use in terms of clean data uh, and that clean data allowing us to make uh, the right decisions, the good decisions for the business as well. So there's a couple of parts to this as well. You know, There's past data, which we call lag data, which is telling us what's happened. But there's also information, which is what we call lead data. So this is information that will help us look at trends, help us look at where we're going and be in a position where we can predict. And, and I think it's that ability to predict in a comfortable manner, which is important as well. So we use the term descriptive analysis. You know, this is using data to diagnose, you know, why something has happened, looking at in a way where we can look at data to actually guide us in terms of what's actually happened, you know, give us the narrative behind it as well, give us a little bit of the storytelling behind it. But we also have this predictive analysis as well, which is the the lead data. So this is data to predict what will potentially happen. So again, you know, lead data or predictive analysis is important. Again, you know, not to try to confuse things, but that's that's what we're talking about. You know, data from in terms of the past, data which will help us predict the future as best that we can, which is the lead data, and then you got your lag data as well. That's what we're trying to do, and hopefully, with this sort of data, this sort of analysis, that will help us make better business plans, will help us make better informed decisions, and will help us focus on the things that we need to be focusing on. So the next skills and trait is about being systems and process driven. So, you know, you'll remember it's one of our core pillars. It's our pillar for one of our pathway groups, pillars for sustainable business growth is about being systems and process driven or having systems and process. So systems and process driven what are we talking about here? You know, we're talking about the business is built on a set of defined operating systems, uh, standard operating procedures, where clearly defined processes are there, are mapped out. And, you know, we understand each function of our business. We understand each function of our operations and how, how independent they are, but also how collectively they make a difference as well. I think that's quite important as well, that element of, you know, standalone, but also at the same time, how they're making a difference collectively to the business as well. And I think it's important the fact that we all we all understand and be able to sort of create that flow, you know, that process and understand what does that mean in terms of, you know, the next steps, uh, in terms of whatever that process is. And it's clearly defined as well. It's not just in somebody's head in terms of that particular person knows what to do it, or how to do that particular job, but as a business. It's mapped out, it's clear mapped out. We know what good looks like. We know what, what we need to be doing. We know how we should be doing what, what that is. And then that's linked to clearly defined contractual performance expectations, performance sort of uh, indicators, uh, what we would often term as uh, KPIs or key performance indicators. Moving on with the same point, I think, you know, for us to understand this, uh, I think we need to have that clean data. We need to be able to have information which is real time and information that 
tells us what's going on on the sort of front line, the chalk face. And if we get that right, we're in a position where we're more systems driven, where we have a mindset which is a little bit more robust. We have a mindset which takes us uh, in a position where we feel secure because we're now dependent on our system. The systems and the processes are doing all the hard work. And, you know, we are def- clearly defined by our step by step instructions. We have work instructions, we have standard operating procedures, we predict, we understand, you know, what needs to go when, and it helps us deliver our training. We can also benchmark our staff in terms of how, what they're doing, you know, are they conforming, are they not conforming, and you can sort of measure and sustain your quality with that sort of approach. So that helps us move on to uh, the next skills and trade or skills and attitude. And this is one of my favorites, uh, favorites to be frank with you. And I often talk about emotional savviness or emotional intelligence, EQ. Emotional intelligence, again, you know, you talk about mindset as well, but it's also about understanding and recognizing ourselves and our emotions and what impact they make on our behavior, what impact they make on our attitudes. And it's, a lot of it's about being in tune with our own emotions, being in tune with the emotions of others, being in tune with what people are saying, what people are communicating in terms of the stakeholders, and really being in sync with with others as well. And I think that's the position where, you know, ideally you want to be, where you're intuitively in sync with what's going on. Being emotionally savvy, emotionally intelligent is something that most organizations now recognize as something that they would like their staff to show uh, the fact that they have that and recognizing the fact that there is no one set of logic. There is no case of this makes logical sense. There is no one true logic. And uh, people often talk about logic and the fact that it's not logical, but we all need to recognize that we have our own point of view. We all have our, our sort of viewpoints. We all have to a certain level our biases, We all, but we all have our own sort of past learning our past experiences we defined how we view the world and how what perspective we're looking at and i think that as a combination is where we are so you know that helps us understand our feelings and it helps us understand our thoughts uh, our opinions and the fact that you know we make those sort of uh, viewpoints and our facts are probably different than based on other facts and this is how we sort of tend to look at providing evidence to back up our beliefs, you know, often sometimes called confirmation bias, but you know, how we sometimes, how our view and perspective then looks at evidencing what we believe and how we then uh, look at persuading others, look at uh, raising points, looking at sort of influencing others as well. So that's what we're sort of talking about, emotional intelligence, emotional savviness. You know, if you take it further, it also helps you value and manage uh, each other. And when I talk about manage, you know, it's also about managing upwards, managing sideways, managing other people's expectations and so forth. It's not about being a manager, but it's about the, the relationships that you have and really then getting that performance out of other, other people, getting the performance out of yourselves, understanding what makes others take, understanding, you know, how to best challenge, best support other individuals, understanding what's driving their performance, what are their values, 
And it's also then seeking that in line with the accepted pathway values, our pathways, culture, our beliefs, and and what we as an organization are striving towards. The next skills or trait that I want to talk about is integrity. So, you know, we spoke a little bit about earlier on about trust and the word integrity was used. And I think this is absolutely vital in terms of uh, a benchmark that we're going to have. And we touched on it uh, again earlier. This is uh, the ability to do the right thing, even when no one is watching. And I think that's important in terms of getting that across. So this is the ability to do the right thing, even when no one else is around or watching, uh, where there is no uh, external benefit or consequence for doing the right thing, where there's no consequence or benefit for doing the right thing. That, from my perspective, really is defines it quite well. It's about being honest about our own performance, being honest with what good looks like or what bad looks like, owning and admitting and accepting our errors. And this will put us in a position where we take ownership, accountability, responsibility. It moves you from, again, below the line thinking, which talks about being blame excuses and so forth. And it also helps us understand the struggles, understands you know how others are performing. It makes us stronger. It, it also gives us a model, strong model compass, allows us to make good uh, model decisions in order to protect the long-term interest of the business. You know, we talk about sustainable business growth, and again, that's the key here. It's not about short-term success; it's about long-term sustainable success of the business. And I think that's that's absolutely, absolutely vital. It helps, I think, individuals become positive role models for the business, you know, role models for others. In a way, they're acting in the best interest of all their colleagues. Again, you know, if you look at our core values, it all sort of aligns. It's all connected. So these points in terms of our skills and traits uh, are connected to our core values. They're connected to how we think, how we want to encourage uh, our individuals to think. You know, this is where there's patterns in, in terms of the conversations that we're having and, again, in some of the points that I'm making. Again, challenging and appropriately challenging is absolutely vital and it's an example of behaviour that needs to be aligned with our standards of working, our accepted practices of challenging each other, accepted practices of communication, communicating and ensures the fact that the culture of the business is maintained and cultivated and grown. So the next skills and traits I want to talk about is about change. We've touched on this as well, the fact that change is the only constant. Uh, There's an Alvin Toffler quote, you know, he's a futurist, I often quote him, and he talks about the illiterate of the 21st century are people who can't, it's not about the people who can't read or write, but it's about the people who don't have the ability to unlearn, relearn and learn. That's what we're talking about here. If we get this right, it gives us a little bit of foresight, ability to make the necessary change required to achieve positive results across the business, positive outcomes for ourselves. And these changes can be small. You know, these can be the, the small incremental changes it doesn't have to be a big bank. It can be small incremental, which will, we believe will lead to transactional, but also transformational changes as well. Small changes can be made to the, to the systems and the processes that we have. 
It can be made to somebody's performance and as a team in terms of how we communicate and, and how we do things as well. And our ability and, and how we do things in terms of the data and how we sort of get feedback and how we sort of plan and then sort of review things helps us with that cycle of change and helps us with understanding and better servicing our customers and our stakeholders as well. If we're in that moment of looking to continually improve, looking to continually improve our own performance and our own team's performance as well. This is the appropriate sort of change methodology or change management methodologies to implement change across the, the team or the business there as well. Taking ownership for managing the change, taking ownership for managing the relevant and ensuring the relevant stakeholders are kept informed throughout, I think, the process is absolutely vital. Uh, the appropriate level of communication, ensuring the stakeholders are informed of all our change and all our progress, I think is important. Inviting our stakeholders to also be involved, inviting our stakeholders to share in the change and inviting our stakeholders to understand the management process that we're going through in terms of that particular change and, and getting all of us, all the people involved, will lead to increasing the chances of that change being sustained. I want to move on to the next one, which is quality. Uh, we spoke about before about quality uh, is everyone's responsibility. And I think quality is one of the areas which, again, is absolutely vital for all of us to have that quality mindset. It's not about quality within one particular person or a job title. I think we all need to be attuned to how important quality is for us to understand the fact that, you know, how do we meet and exceed the expectation standards of our stakeholders, of our customers, and how quality and the whole total quality mindset approach helps us get it right first time, get it right every time and have that mindset of, you know, continuous improvement, getting it right first time, on time, every time approach. I think that's that's absolutely vital as well. If I move on to uh, the whole consistent sort of approach to quality being at the forefront of everything that we do as a business, that every interaction that we have as a business uh, with external people, internal people, has a quality mindset and has a quality approach. And that's defined in our sort of contractual KPIs and it's, it's defined in our uh, expectations that we have with, with others and expectations that we set ourselves. Uh, and it's really that having that thorough understanding of expectation management, a thorough understanding of our customers and setting the bar quite high in terms of what we're looking at that fits then in line with our systems and processes fits in line with stakeholder management, fits in line with being in a position where we have an ownership approach to quality, ownership approach to the standard we sort of deliver, the standard that we service, and an ownership approach to the systems and processes, the standard operating procedures, the work instructions, uh, and really be able to service our business stakeholders and customers better. It's also uh, for us to be in a position where we own and rectify the acceptable sort of standards that we have, communicate in a way which is appropriate, uh, communicate in a way where recognizing the fact that, you know, a quality process driven organization and also understand the fact that we're continuously improving our existing processes uh, and being open, flexible to that whole change uh, and stakeholder requirement. 
So there's a there's a few things there that they should digest and, and take on board. Moving on to the next one, which is again another one of my favorites, which is about coaching and being in a position where you are coachable, but also at the same time you can coach others as well. Yeah. So this is the the ability to share your experience, knowledge, ask the right questions in a format which works. Get the person to think, get yourself to start thinking. And being in a position where, you know, we're all using a coaching uh, framework, a coaching methodology to improve our performance. We're using a coaching to influence our staff to become more adaptable, uh, using coaching to get better performance, get more productivity, and ultimately improve staff retention and staff, uh, individual staff growth as well. Once you start thinking like a coach, and we're talking about all of us as individuals with the ownership and responsibility mindset, you naturally you will be in a position where you're driving performance. You'll be in a position where you're proactively more solutions-focused, proactively finding solutions to problems without the need to necessarily to seek encouragement and permission, really. And I think a coaching culture is one that uh, allows an organization to thrive. A coaching culture allows an individual to grow. And I think it's one that, uh, as pathway, we want to encourage throughout. I think if an individual can share their knowledge and experience and share ideas and thoughts and encourage others, and share uh, their viewpoints, it allows that, that individual that you're having that conversation with to start reflecting and really find answers which are more appropriate and more befitting and allows that individual then to really to grow. And a lot of it revolves around asking the right questions, uh, having a framework of conversations, uh, being in a position where conversations are positive in a way where there's development strategies being talked about, development frameworks being talking about talked about. It's also about, you know, being brave and courageous enough to give the right level of feedback and being open in a way where you're supporting and encouraging and improving other performance. And by doing that you're automatically uh, improving your own performance and developing yourself as well and creating a real a win win outcome for all. It also helps build sort of better relationships. And ultimately, it is about the questions and having the ability to ask these higher level or higher quality really questions to get people to really think and go a little bit deeper within themselves and have that right challenge and support to allow them to grow. Moving on, I'm going to talk about courage. And our definition of courage is slightly different to maybe others. And often we self-sabotage quite a bit. We put ourselves in a position where we don't necessarily uh, do things for the right reason, and you know we lack that courage. And again, really understanding what courage is in terms of business, and really a lot of that is about opening up and saying and standing up and making uh, choices or or actions or conversations where you're doing it for the right reason, and rather than waiting or allowing somebody else. And I think that's what we're talking about in terms of using courage intelligently in line with our culture, in line with our beliefs, in line with our uh, desired outcomes for the business as well. So courage is is something that we look for. It's easy sometimes to to say no or do nothing, and it takes courage to do things and move forward in an appropriate manner, 
an appropriate understanding as well in terms of the desired outcomes for the business as well. So again, courage. Like I said earlier, we have this uh, viewpoint of what trust looks like. And again, the same way, if I, if I said to you courage, we all have a, our own sort of definition of it. But you know, we're again talking from our perspective what courage means. And a lot of the time is being proactive, is standing up. It's actually moving along and being proactively in terms of actually making the decisions which are right and timely. And at times, courage is about giving due priority, not putting things off. It's about action. It's about uh, going for it. And it's not about making excuses. It's, it is about, uh, at times, being brave. It's about you know, uh, taking feedback uh, face on. And it's also about having that challenging conversations, but for the right reasons. Nobody generally likes conflict. But sometimes you've got to have those challenging conversations in order to support, encourage and improve individuals and, and obviously the team performance. So that's courage uh, as a key skill and, and trait. Uh, I'll move on to the word resilience. And this is a word that uh, has entered our dictionary, our vocabulary, particularly you know, with the whole lockdown period, resilience and people talk about, you know, in the face of crisis, uh, disruption, being a disruptive environment, we've all got to be resilient. And as an organization, you know, we've got to have resilience, a resilience as a team, resilience as an organization. You know, what that means really, in a nutshell, is being able to ride out uncertainty instead of being overwhelmed or overpowered by it. I think in, in my sort of simple words, is being able to ride the storm ride out the uncertainty, being in a position where, you know, you don't get overwhelmed, overpowered by that sort of uncertainty or by, by that disruption or by that, by that change that's happened, which we've always sort of experienced. It's also at the same time being able to recover from that, you know, being in a position where you're adaptable, you're recovering from that in a way where you don't have that longer recovery time. You're resilient to, to that and you can move on. And uh, it's not a knockout blow. You can you can quickly recover from any setback. You're ab- able to adapt to that change, and you can keep on going in that sort of face of adversity. You can keep on, keep on keeping on. And I think uh, you know we we've all sort of experienced the fact that there's moments where you know we're fearful. There's moments where we're fearful of the future. We're fearful of what's going to happen. We've got fear, which is at, at times it's about false expectations appearing real, so F-E-A-R, false expectations appearing real. We sometimes, you know, are very fearful and we need to be able to have these sort of coping mechanisms, be able to sort of uh, have a perspective where we're aware of the things that we can control, we're aware of the things that we can't control, we put it in the right perspective, we sort of uh, are aware of you know, how resilient we can be, we recognize the fact that, you know, we are at times in need of support, we are, are at times need to be able to talk to others. We are at times need to be able to reach out and have those conversations and be able to sort of share our vulnerabilities, share our experiences, be a little bit more open, and at the same time, provide that support as well. You know, being uh, in a position where we're emotionally savvy, emotionally intelligent to actually understand, you know, where we can guide and support others as well. And again, you know, if you go back to being able to uh, deal with setbacks or knockbacks, how do we move from there? How do we, you know, as individuals uh, move forward? You know, how we as individuals can become positive role models 
how we can become sounding boards for our team members and colleagues and how we can offer that support when required. Absolutely vital. Moving on now in terms of the next sort of skills and, and traits or attitudes is about digital awareness, digital uh, savviness. Again, throughout this period, uh, particularly lockdown period and the COVID period a few years back, you know, we've all spoke about digital disruption. We've heard about the fact that we as individuals need to be, we need to have a digital mindset. Uh, at the same time, digital poverty has entered our dictionary. People who are more digital attuned, digital savvy, are in a position where they're more likely to be able to move forward and deal with the world that we're living in. You know, because it does revolve around a digital mindset. Most of the solutions and most in terms of the business uh, solutions revolve around using these tools, the products that we have, the platforms, and having them which are fit for purpose and our ability to use them effectively. We need to be able to continuously and constantly uh, future-proof ourselves, future-proof our knowledge, and we can't do that if we are not digitally uh, literate, digitally aware, and keep ourselves in a position where we're continuously comfortable, being uncomfortable, comfortable the fact that we're using new tools and use them. You know, most of these tools are tools, you know, if you don't use them, then, you know, you're not going to be able to sort of uh, develop those sort of skill sets as well. And there's going to be many things that we've never done before. So again, you know, just the fact that we've not done something before isn't a reason why we shouldn't uh, do it or uh, it's going to be the norm. The fact that there's going to be tools, there's going to be things, uh, there's going to be uh, work that you've never done before. And it's your that ability to adapt, that ability to be digitally sound, you know, digitally savvy, I think it's important. And it's all sort of links in really in terms of the adaptability and that sort of digital mindset and, and our ability to sort of learn our awareness uh, of products and platforms, technology, and using these technology to optimize the, the business, using the digital tool sets to make our work a little bit easier, using the digital technology to systemize, uh, automate as much as we can, and really be in a position where it's, again, solution-driven, creating proficiencies in, in our tools, in the, in the products that we have, the platforms that we have, and allows us to achieve better business results, allows us ultimately to better service our customers, better service our stakeholders, better service the, uh, the contracts that we're working on. Again, you know, individuals need to take responsibility for getting that right for themselves getting that right for their own work and really be in a position where they have that digital mindset, the digital solution and being digitally aware and continuously thinking about optimization, systemization, automation, uh, whatever possible to make ourselves a little more lean, agile and responsive. So next skills and traits is visionary. And again, you know, sounds like a grand sort of a, a word there, being visionary. But it's also, you know, it's, it's about really, in, in a simple words, I would say it's about business uh, sense, business acumen. I personally believe, you know, business acumen, business 
sense revolves around somebody who has a vision. They have a sense of where things are. They're able to put things in perspective. They're a little bit more accurate in terms of judging things and again, decision-making. And that fits in line with the pathway group uh, sort of culture, fits in line with our objectives, being in a position where you can sort of inspire others and allows us as an organization to continuously grow and develop and get to that sort of next level as an organization and also as an individual. This also helps us become more influential as an individual within the team, influential within the organization, and allows us as individuals to grow and allows others, others to grow as well. I think, you know, if somebody has that mindset, they understand the bigger picture, they understand where the business is going, and they start thinking and viewing things from a business perspective, and it ties in with that business acumen. You have a business sense, and you automatically start thinking from that company perspective, and you start acting in the best interest of the company, and you start putting things in a perspective where your narrative and your outlook changes as well. So moving on to another trait, uh, another skill is about our ability to be proactive. And we all have different levels of proactiveness. And, you know, often people talk about not being reactive and, and being proactive. Sometimes it's about our ability to react and adapt to certain things. But proactiveness is about really uh, having a, a sort of a mindset of growth. It's a mindset where your emphasis is on forward thinking. Your emphasis is on planning. Your emphasis is on strategies. It's on the right tactics as well. And you're in a position where, you know, you can problem solve and you can foresee problems. You're in a position where you're proactive for the business. You're proactive for yourself. You understand the tangible advantages from actively managing your problems, actively managing the situation and being in that way where, you know, it's a proactive outcome. So again, it's something that we often quite use, you know, you've got to be more proactive. Uh, and again, it's, you know, everybody will will look at it from a, from their own perspective and their own circumstances. But it's something that I, I think we, is absolutely key in terms of uh, having a growth mindset and having a mindset where you're sort of uh, ensuring the fact that challenging decisions, challenging conversations are, are dealt with and they're not put off. So again, links in with some of our other skills and traits. And what you find is that there is, there's a lot of connectivity and everything's hopefully to a certain level is connected and it's all links together. You know, for us to, uh, as, a, as a provider, you know, we've been going for 22 years plus, we've had to be proactive as an organization. We've had to look ahead. We've had to look forward in terms of where the, uh, the direction of travel is. And, and, you know, uh, organizations that are more proactive and have that approach, you, you find that you generally have more chance of success, more chance of sustainable business growth. I'm, I'm going to move swiftly on to another uh, skill and trait, which is creativity. And creativity is something that you might think, you know, that's a little bit odd for a business. Creativity is something which revolves around, you know, solving problems. It's about, you know, having, understanding the desired outcomes for the business. It's also about uh, often looking at things, you know, from a different perspective. And I think that's how we sort of look at creativity. It's the ability to sort of find a solution to a problem. We often talk about thinking outside the box, uh, but really that's where your creativity is. 
and it's not relying on tried and tested formats. It's not relying on necessarily just past experiences. It's our ability to look at things from a fresh perspective and not just using knowledge from the past to solve problems of the future as well. So I think that's uh, that's key in terms of that. It's something that we you know we talk uh, about quite a bit, and it's something that we've sort of, particularly in the last few years, have all spoken about really, which is about creative thinking, creative thinking techniques, frameworks, models to achieve our desired outcomes in appropriate in or in the right circumstances. And this is about striving to find the best possible solutions to the problems, improving the current practices, creating uh, workspaces, environments where creativity is there, innovation comes in, avoiding the, the position where uh, it's a status quo. It's, it's uh, continuously improving and moving forward and you know allowing ourselves to not fall behind or fall back to necessarily things that are tried and tested because they may not work. And it's really being able to look at things from a, a creative process and a creative mindset which is, uh, again, I would say, is uh, a modern sort of skill and trait, uh, absolutely vital for, for ourselves. Next one is critical thinking and, and sort of that element of problem solving. This is really uh, the ability to analyze information rationally and objectively in order to make sort of reasonable, informed decisions. I think it involves the evaluation of a variety of sources data, facts, feedback, research, that's good critical thinking. It allows us to make reasonable conclusions from the evidence that we have, from the information that we have. It allows us to sort of discriminate between useful and less useful information, filter through the noise, and really bring to the surface uh, the things that need to be brought, brought to the surface. allows us to problem solve and make better decisions, which ultimately you know, allows us to grow. And if we as an organization get to a position where we've got that clean data, we've got better data, we've got the right level of data at the right time, what you find is that you know our ability to solve problems becomes a little bit easier and therefore helps us with our achievement of our design business outcomes as well. And I think going back to that sort of data uh, driving the business, you know, it's understanding that single version of truth and really that right level of information, the right level of data as well. It's all sort of connected as well, which I keep saying, that sort of critical thinking, many sort of techniques that are out there, many sort of frameworks. One of the ones that we tend to sort of talk about is that sort of six hearts approach, which again is thinking from a, a different mindset. It's a different perspective of thinking. So you have uh, a mindset or hat that you think, which is uh, right for that perspective, and then you change that. And again, anybody who, uh, I would encourage yourself to Google a couple of videos on this. There's a lot of information available. Uh, just look at six hats of thinking. Uh, Edward, Edward de Bonos or de Bonos, uh, definitely worth looking at as well. You know, talking a little bit about clean data and ditching data. Sometimes, you know, what we find is that we can be in a position where our business uh, performance is skewed based on the data that we have. And we, we've, uh, I think, we've all heard the saying that damn lies and st- stats and statistics can be used to confuse, uh, get a, a viewpoint across. And it's about really understanding 
and, and filtering through the sort of noise and filtering through the, the information. So these were our 15 skills and, and traits, 15 skills and attitudes. We talked about adaptability. We talked about resilience. We talked about emotional intelligence. These are things uh, are key, uh, absolutely, in terms of business growth. I think uh, it's examples where being lean, agile uh, sort of mindset. And I think from that perspective, absolutely vital in terms of sustainable business growth, absolutely vital in terms of success uh, of businesses. Data analysis keeps coming up. Ability to uh, look at the data, the right level of data, systems and process driven, again, uh, shredding throughout the organization, absolutely important. Emotional intelligence I've touched on, uh, emotional savviness I've, I've sort of touched on as well. Something that again, you know, you look at integrity. Uh, we talked about being honest, uh, uh, sort of the trust framework. Again, integrity and that sort of data integrity as well as individual integrity. The ability to create change, that's absolutely vital. Courage, you know, we, we spoke about quality. Quality is everybody's responsibility and, and quality is at the heart of what we do. So these are sort of the 15 skills and traits we talk about in this organization. Uh, we're an organization that looks at developing individuals, coaching mindset, a coaching in one of the traits that we talked about. It's something that we need to live and breathe as individuals. Thank you for your patience and really appreciate your time. Look forward to catching up with you soon again. Thank you. It's clear that these skills and traits are tried and tested in the Pathway Group and are proved to be key to optimum performance within a business. I'm sure others will come to mind and we'd love to hear your thoughts on this. If you'd like to know more about Saf's success, the lessons he's learned and how they might help you, then take a listen to the previous podcast episodes. From these, you'll hear how he set up various business network groups for underrepresented business communities or his involvement in community projects or his instigation and involvement in a plethora of awards. Just search for Canny Conversations on your podcast app or go to 1386audio.com forward slash have a listen and click on the Canny Conversations picture. If you've enjoyed this podcast, then please like, review, subscribe or follow. And please tell your friends and colleagues about us. If you'd like to know more, then go to cannyconversationspodcast.co.uk or go to SAF's website, safras.co.uk. Safras has also written a series of easy-to-follow business books, Canny Bytes, and these are available from cannybytes.co.uk forward slash buy the book. We'll be back next week with another Canny Conversation podcast, so until then, have a good week. This is a 1386 audio production.